0: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
1: Good day and welcome in, Rob Black and your money. Mark to love in this political headlines weekend news cycle. It's basically saying we've made meaningful progress. With China on trade issues, Dow spikes 350 points on that news. Treasury Secretary Steve Newton told CNBC that talks have already yielded tangible benefits. Now, again, I think this is all about politic and political wrangling to get good position to say, look, we won. They're buying more of our stuff. Now, we may end up selling more of our stuff to them, but that won't be in our press release. In China's press release, they'll say, look, we did great for our country. They're buying more of our stuff. I know you're saying, that's your Chinese... Im- uh, dialect. No, I don't do impressions. I'm bad at them. Thank you very much. So Secretary Steve Mnuchin, Treasury um, Secretary, said things have yielded tangible benefits. And Wall Street loves it. They love that kind of stuff. They eat it up. It's like trade war bad. Trade talks good. I love it. We don't even even know what it's going to yield. But Trump seems determined to try to throw down some of his legacy in any way, shape, or form. A lot of people think he's dismantling Obama's legacy piece by piece by piece. So politicians have a big big layout on Wall Street, right? I'm not talking politically, I'm talking about financially. A lot of people are starting to have a big conversation about tech companies. And I know we live in the land of sugar and honey, candy and nuts. Um, and it's, it's 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 a plenty. But I look at Silicon Valley and I go, like, wow. My home, just because I made a choice to buy in Silicon Valley, because I used to like playing video games as a kid, it's, it's, it's ramped up in price too much. It's not hard to... Take a look. There's a great article today in The Guardian that suggests that Silicon Valley is over-promising consumers and that there hasn't been any game-changing technology in years. So we keep talking about like, hey, we're going to end up on Mars with this stuff, but nothing's really game-changing. Smart home speakers? Alexa, do I need a raincoat today? Is that enough of a technology improvement that... We're, we're pleased with it or start watching my TV show. And that's been the focus in Silicon Valley for a bit here. Smart assistants, home assistants, Google, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft. Wearables are basically glorified tech 1.0 and we want them to get to 3.0. The Apple Watch is one, is, is the exception right now because they've made massive improvements in, in the last couple of years. You can leave your phone at home now and go for a walk and not miss a phone call. It's got some health features that has changed the way people work out. People actually try to close their activity rings psychologically. That's important. But we're not really doing much. The iPhone in 2007 was revolutionary. Facebook was revolutionary. Twitter's launch in 2004 and six was pretty impressive. Like We had not seen that. And for me, Twitter's not a communication tool with friends. It, it's a tool to see what's happening in the world of news, and I can literally look through 20 newspapers in two minutes, see what the headlines are, see if anything's breaking. You know, my first place I go and there's like a, a shooting or something terrible in America, the tragedies, is Twitter. And there's a lot of fake news for sure. So we haven't seen much improvement in technology, and some people are starting to get mad about that because at one point in time, Hollywood was the face of America to the rest of the world and now facebook is amazon is apple is and when you hear stories about how amazon employees in factories are peeing in cups and because they have to work so much that they can't even take a urine break a uh, bathroom break streaming media you know that's awesome and if you thought about it in 2005 you know would we be streaming today probably not so much we, that's, we, that would have been pretty groundbreaking. And uh, Chromecast, Amazon's Fire TV, Apple TV, all products in their own that do very unique things, but nothing that's changing the world. Tech isn't useless to say. But what we're doing right now is not going to get us further ahead. It's not innovative on the iPhone level. It's not innovative on the Facebook level. So right now we're making smaller changes over a period of time. It's a pretty good article. It talks about how you know, processing power is inching up. It's, it's not. I mean, it, it's, it's impressive if you start a video game as a Neanderthal. But we're not in a video game as a Neanderthal. Network speed, smart voice assistants, all get a little bit better. So, good article today on how Silicon Valley promises a lot. And it doesn't nail some of it. But it does eventually trickle down the ideas that they're throwing out there. You know, my nest thermostat, <clears throat> it's convenient as all heck. If I forget to turn off my my heat on the way out, sure. It's a good article in The Guardian today about technology. And again, start thinking about the face that America has out there, because it used to be just Hollywood. But now we're starting to see companies like Apple, are they evading taxes and or not? Um, Google, are they a monopoly and or not? They're not spreading a lot of love right now. And keep in mind... You know, Google is kind of downplaying its, its old corporate adage of do no evil, which we're not going to get into. But America's largest cultural export now is technology and modern communications. The world looks at America and they see Facebook and they see YouTube and they see Twitter because the social media, false speech, hate speech, extremist views have spread easier than ever before. And there's, you know, just complete degradation right now that people perceive in political discourse. It's tough to argue against that, right? I heard someone use the term disinhibiting. And when you have a president who's mad at certain people, it kind of, it cuts down on your inhibitions. Things that you wouldn't say before, if he's saying it, you'll say it. So there's a cultural export right now that we're sending out there that we have to be careful of. Because when Starbucks says anyone can use our bathrooms... Starbucks is playing to their customers. Now, you could say they're doing socially the right thing, but trust me, every corporation now wants to do the right thing. When Mark Zuckerberg said, We're really, really sorry, he's trying to tell the millennials, Don't get mad at us, because if you get mad at us, you're not going to use our product. When Starbucks says anyone can use our bathrooms, but if there's an emergency in the store, if there's someone disruptive, call 911, did they change any policy there? Not really. Because if you, if you feel that you're threatened, you can still call 911 on the person, right? But it's so important to have that, that image that you're a do-gooder in this day and age. And I'm telling you, that's why we're watching panic responses from companies like Facebook. Hollywood's still turning out the blockbusters that used to be the face of the United States, but Facebook now trumps them. 2.2 billion monthly active users worldwide. WhatsApp has got a billion plus. Gmail, Google's uh, service. When it gets hacked, it's now a big image on America. If the world looks at America and sees Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, what does the world think, right? These are all future companies that that impact us, that are involved in our retirement, and much, much more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show.
0: Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on
1: the Bay Area airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. You know, I own shares of Apple. I talk about a lot of the headlines and every now and then I mix in portfolio discussions. You should own some tech, you should own some financials, you should own some retail. You should own some products that we need to have, staples in our life, consumer staples. You should take a look at what's working in discretionary with consumers and maybe consider it. Do I think F- Visa or Home Depot are going to go out of business in the next 30 years? Yeah, there's always going to be disruptive technologies, but we're also always going to need paint. And for now, the transactions in stores are tied towards Visa, MasterCard, American Express. And there's tinier players underneath, the people like Square, who are are disrupting. That companies like Visa tend to invest in just to make sure they see the technology, but also to potentially acquire the technology. Now, I started with Apple, knowing that I own shares of Apple. Apple shares are going to struggle over the next 12 months, one analyst from Instinet said, because of weak iPhone 10 demand. I think we all feel that there has been some data that suggests that, but yet we saw that going in there for last quarter, and they blew it out. Now, keep in mind they're also buying back shares and increasing their dividend. Now, he only sees six percent downside in a stock market that could pull back 10, 20, 30, 40 percent at times. Is six percent downside bad? So sometimes you're you maybe hold on to it to protect your downside. Not it. It could be on anything. Your any of your investments, you say, I'm gonna make this decision knowing that, you know, that company, XYZ, is gonna be in business the day I die. This company has a lower valuation. This company is growing something, but it's weakening elsewhere. It's really important that you get honest with yourself. Apple's service business model will continue to grow at a solid pace, and there's good margins there. Service revenues have consistently grown above 20% on an annualized basis. Apple's made several sustainable improvements to the service's growth trajectory. So who's right, who's wrong? But that's one analyst out there talking about it. I want to talk a little bit about mortgage rates creeping up. Therefore, I want to bring in Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. Mortgage rates creeping up. You're seeing a lot of people refi now. They're taking money out of their homes. That's a problem when rates moving higher equals refi versus rates moving lower equals refi. So, Tony Mendez, Bay Area Loan Joining me now, Tony Mendez, Bay Area Loan Good morning. California may be the most desirable place to live in the United States, but employers can't recruit high performers thanks to insane housing prices. I used to have a big home that actually did. In Virginia have a place where the slaves used to cook meals it was a 200 year old home property uh, well over 200 years old and um, you can't get that in California or it's gonna cost you four million dollars the effects of California housing crisis is starting to hit the ability for cities like LA and San Francisco to recruit people because yeah you could be a high performer but a high performer living in a small house some people have ego problems um, so the exorbitant housing costs in Los Angeles, the second most populous city in the United States are inhibiting employers from attracting high performers or top talent. Uh, I know this is kind of an interesting conversation. I think t- Tony, Tony Mendez Bay, I know a lot of people who, how do I say this in any other state, they would be living in a mansion comparatively. And I know a lot of people who are high performers who are renting because they can't afford to buy they can't afford the down payment. But their rent
2: is covering someone else's mortgage payment. It just breaks my heart. It's a, it's a problem with California. Yeah, it's tough. We kind of mentioned about Sacramento and what you can buy for half the price or maybe even a third of the price, which you can hear. And um, I think a lot of people get shocked that they can get a yard and a two-car garage and a four-bedroom, four two-bath um, and stay under $500,000. Uh, and you're going to see that across the United States. Um, a lot of the places... Uh, in the United States, what they call two, second-tier cities are doing very well because of the, you know this one inherent problem, uh, and that is um, the starting salary for somebody in the Bay Area, I think, averages right around one hundred and ten thousand. Doesn't buy you a house here, right? It uh, buys you a house very, very far away or a very small place, and not only that, you're spending fifty percent of your your income on rents. Uh so it's an intimidating place to move to number yeah. one when housing is on your mind um and uh, i
1: know I know five professionals that live together, and yeah. one of them is an executive at a hospital, one of them is an attorney, one of them is a financial planner. one of them is a map maker and you throw all this together and like it's five people sharing a five bedroom house it's eclectic boogie woogie 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 um you know that do you know that reference I do. Okay, it's electric. Some sort of line dance, right? It's the electric slide. Yeah, so probably the worst song ever. But I said it's eclectic, which is it's cute. Um, can, can, why did we do the electric slide at that point in time? You know, we said that we were Rome and we're basically
2: falling. I think it worked great. It got people off off their you know what's okay. and out on the dance floor, and you had you had a chance to mingle um, and engage. Sixty percent of employers. In, Say Los Angeles' is high cost of living impacts employer
1: retention. 75% name housing costs as a specific concern. 71% of employers view housing costs as a barrier.
2: It's electric. Boogie, 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 boogie. boogie. Ah, uh, the millennials are. You
1: know turning what's funny? The station. Whoever produced this song is probably sitting in a 25 bedroom mansion <laughs> in Southern California having parties at night with a hundred plus millennials coming all the champagne you can drink champagne fountains right and it's one of the worst songs of all time Woo-hoo! so uh, I think that's gonna be an interesting concept because a lot of people you know we, we you know uh, corporate America at one point in time had call centers in Oklahoma because Oklahoma was cheaper to imp- hire people than say New York or LA, then those call centers went all the way to India. Same, I think jobs, when we do this story about California having a tough time uh, to hire people, you know, Los Angeles based SpaceX, Los Angeles based SpaceX, which is owned by Elon Musk, opened an engineering office in Seattle the same year in an effort to hire top talent who
2: just refused to live in LA. Um, yeah, the hub markets are no longer the LA's, the San Francisco's, and, and uh, New York's uh, Colorado Springs hit the top of the list just recently for, what? Uh, for, um, it, there's an index that's, that's all calculated based on the home price and jobs uh, and, and, um, and salaries. And it, it tells you where people are flocking to. In fact, I think it was like 67% of, of people moving to the city are millennials and they're and they're first time home buyers. So there's, we're seeing this trend obviously. And, and we are seeing businesses that are, are, are embracing this rob and we're going to see it more and more places like reno and, and um, salt lake city uh, boise portland all of these places have already uh, embraced it in 2007 china's commercial property outflow
1: was less than 1 billion now it's over 20 billion dollars want the podcast with music Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. Hello, hello. One of the things that embarrassed me the most over the weekend was the royal wedding. And essentially what I decided to do was any mention of the royal wedding i was going to instantly shut down and do my very very best to uh unfriend those people on facebook so if you posted that you watched the royal wedding i did unfriend you but it did bring up a question because everything brings up questions how much money should you spend at a wedding now, first and foremost, I, I'm a big fan of elopement. So that's me, right? I, I find that people spend a little bit too much money on weddings, both throwing them and going to them. And then there's destination weddings, which is kind of another thing. And then there's destination weddings where you ask the guests to pay. You know, I won't lie. You know, I, I eloped on my first my, my first wedding, and it was a disaster. I ended up, you know, oof, it set things up wrong so maybe a wedding would have set things up right but the guest list at the royal wedding was 600 people and everyone had to say to themselves how much do i spend i don't want to look cheap right 200 guests are invited to the private reception afterwards 2600 members of the public were invited to the grounds of windsor castle now if you're invited to the windsor castle grounds And you see Harry and Meghan get married. Do you give them a gift? Essentially, if you get a parking space, do you give a gift? There's a lot going on there. How many royal stalkers were there that were arrested for this wedding? 160. People want to watch other people get married bad, right? It is the day that she is a princess. I do believe that some people get married to have that day of being a princess at least once in their life and sometimes we can say we'll cut down on the wedding cost but the average wedding $35,000 roughly depending on where you're doing in the United States if you're doing you know a, a big one and you don't even get stalkers the fun of stalkers that's how bad people want to see the princess fantasy played out so I saw friends of mine on Facebook admit that they were watching the royal wedding and having crumpets and like getting dressed up and you know, oh my gosh, she waved at us. She waved at us. I'm like, no, you're on the internet watching it. You're, you're not actually there. And yeah, yeah. So how much should you spend? It's a good question. Because remember when you're just coming out of college, you're like, I don't know, 50 bucks? What should I give them? 50 bucks felt like a lot. And then as you get older, you're like, you know, my, 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 my sister's kid just graduated college. What should, how much should I give them? I haven't seen that kid in 10 years. And you're like, 50 bucks seems cheap. It's not going to buy a book, right, because of inflation. And and as you get older, things inflate in your head because you're making more money. Americans are willing to go the distance to attend other people's weddings, and not not me. Please don't invite me. Please don't invite me. Because not only do I have to, uh, like, give up my weekend or something along those lines. Cause to watching you to say, I love this person. And it's three years from now. You're going to be like, I'm divorcing this person. And I'm not going to tell anyone. I'm going to get really sad and drink myself into the bottom of a barrel. Uh, but Americans are willing to go the distance with their loved ones. And yeah, 53% of millennials are willing to go into debt. And that just, that right there surprises me. I'm not in a position to dip into debt, but when I was, I certainly wasn't going to put a wedding on credit. I wasn't going to put a flight on credit. I wasn't going to put gifts on credit. And you know, looking back on it, I, I don't like weddings at all. The food's never great, and yet it costs an arm and a leg. Trust me, I've, I, I give speeches and seminars, and th- that coffee and bagel or that coffee and donut, they, they charge an arm and a leg. What do you think they're going to be charging for a piece of, of bad meat? An arm. All you need to know is here's what you should give. If if you think the meal is going to cost fifty, you should give a hundred. No, that's silly. But that's that's one of the rules of thumb out there. Keep in mind, rules of thumb are are there to well be broken. Break that thumb. No, rules of thumb are are bad ideas. They give you a starting point at best, and things change over time, like inflation. Should you double the estimated price of the meal? No, because it's crap. Wouldn't it be better if if when you're going to the wedding? If the, they give you a choice, do you want a power bar or do you want in see the hotel or whoever would say, oh, you will not bring any food on the premises. You must use our vendors who are giving us a 20% kickback on top of the 20% premium we're charging you. So have a personal budget and figure it out. You know, uh, you could always do unique things like take photos, which some people really value a little bit more than that $50 gift card. Your gift should always be within your budget. In my opinion, you want to celebrate the big day, but not go in the red for you and hopefully for them as well. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Now, everyone always wants a stock pick. That's like a no-brainer that it's going to go up. And you can't really say that because things change. You know, do I think Google's going to go up in the next three years? I do, because of investments in the cloud. Because I think YouTube is an underappreciated asset. Um, I think you know their hardware concerns are are uh, have pros and cons, but it does weigh on the company that you know the world looks at YouTube underappreciates them. They see the investments in the cloud as expensive, and they see the hardware like the phones hit or miss. So additional capex and R&D is necessary to take advantage of a lot of what are considered greenfield opportunities ahead for them, like the driverless cars, Waymo, and Verily, their biotech division. Um, a lot going on. But if you give it time, I think they've got something there. One company I like that I don't talk about often on the show is, and people ask me to talk more about companies, is Dollar General. I I think they do a great job of of profitable sales. I I don't think it's sexy. I don't think it doubles. I don't think it flies. But I'm a little concerned on the higher interest rates and people refinancing homes right now because it's going to cause inflation push rates higher, in my opinion. It should. We're seeing a lot of refinances. A lot of people who are struggling to make their mortgage and or a lot of people taking money out to spend it elsewhere. So... I like Dollar General, DG, ticker symbol DG. Do I, do I like it for one year? No. Consultant Broker before taking action on stocks mentioned on the show. I'd buy
0: that for a dollar.
1: Um, I take a look at something like a Philip Morris, and if you're expecting the U.S. to slow down, if you're expecting some inflation, if you're expecting a market that isn't necessarily golden, Philip Morris' position on the global economy outside the United States. They basically have 26% of the global cigarette market. If you exclude China, China's interesting. So they're positioned for, or for trends of, of dominance. You know, if you own 26% of the monopoly map, you do well. Unless you think that monopoly world is going to go away and call it Cigaretteville, Cancerville, whatever you want to call it. I mean, these companies have survived being, being called out for causing cancer. You think Philip Morris is going out of business anytime soon? They make a product. We export cancer to foreign lands, essentially, right? Um, Thermo Fisher Scientific, stock I like a lot. Companies gaining market share in the world of labs. Tied towards pharmaceutical and academic. So they make the weapons that help. Well, not the weapons. I'm going to be very careful on how I say that. They, They basically make a lot of industrial equipment for healthcare. And they've got a ton of tools. So if your college is like, we just got a grant from Black and Black and Black, the three Black brothers, Rob Black, Dave Black, Pete Black. Um, so your, your university gets this big, big grant, right? And I'm going to give them 20 bucks in set example. And they need to figure out what to do with that 20 bucks. They may go buy equipment so they can come up with genetic coding or what have you. Um, JP Morgan Chase. I always like JP Morgan Chase, especially in a higher interest rate environment, where we're seeing IPOs fly off the shelf right now, positive and negative. I think Microsoft has turned around their company, and they've gotten away from the desktop very, very nicely, the desktop computer, and they've gotten in the cloud. So I think Microsoft is a good three-year investment idea. Consult a broker, advisor a action on any stocks mentioned. Do I think it goes up to... A million? No. But I think you get better than market performance. And that's what you're what that's what I'm looking for. A company that I like a lot for the long term patient investor, and I never talk about it on this show. Sherwin Williams. Um, they, they I'm not gonna say they dominate, but they're pretty much so leveraged to the professional contractor. They got aggressive store count expansions. Um in my local neighborhood, there's a Sherwin-Williams where if I need paint, I'm going to go there. Or I'm going to go to Home Depot and get more bulk paint. But I feel like the service that I get at Sherwin-Williams is uh, higher scale than Home Depot. I'm not against Home Depot. I like both. But you get the idea. So those are some ideas for long-term paint investor. We're pro They own warehouses. And a lot of companies, I'm telling you, they're storing stuff in warehouses and delivering it to your house. They're not storing it in the stores right now. I'm Rob Black talking money investing more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at KDOW.biz or on the KDOW radio app. I'm Rob Black talking money investing and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. I try to mix in content from sometimes stock ideas to investment ideas to retirement, to insurance, things that you don't want to forget. Kids are expensive. We all love kids, absolutely. But are they expensive? And the answer is yes. And a lot of people don't factor that in. You know, They, they find the person that they want to settle down with and spend the rest of their life. And we, we get it. But sometimes what I see is people start living. And that's why a lot of people change when they get married. They, they get, start getting overwhelmed with the pressure of the relationship. Just, you know, two people spending one budget sometimes. It's difficult for people. And I get it. So I'm not saying it's not. So um, with that said, uh, the show is going to change up all the time and anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. I will obviously talk a ton about Tesla and Apple because these are stocks that you own. And last week, I could do a a quick story on Tesla and tell you one analyst thinks it's going to go 30% lower. And then guess what? Today, I could do a story on Tesla and tell you one analyst thinks it's going to go higher. By a lot. So... One of the things that I fear doing to you is getting you a little bit too caught up in the day to day. And trust me, I I know it's really, really easy to think of yourself as a day trader. I think it's really, really easy to kind of jump into that world of, you know, this is, this is my, I'm smarter than wall street. And, And I just really, really want you to be careful with that one because one analyst says it's thirty percent lower. One analyst says it's going to go higher. And guess what? People are going to do. They're going to see what they want to see, right? So, I need you to be real cautious with how you approach things. The hand wringing over Tesla is it's it's already dramatic. And as investors, you know you don't want a lot of drama. And as an individual, you don't want a lot of drama. The analyst, a company called Barenberg, raised its price target on Tesla, predicting the electric car maker will be able to meet its 25% gross profit margin forecast for its Model 3 and become positive for the company. The widespread assumption is that the Model 3 margins can be directly inferred from Model S/X, is inherently almost totally flawed. So, this analyst is kind of getting into the. I think I'm more right than the other analyst. So one analyst cut the price target to the low 200s. One analyst raised his price target to 500. And to me, that's a civil war. And I don't like that. Too much drama for me. One of them's going to be right, one of them's going to be wrong. And emotionally speaking, which one do I want to be right? The winner. Or let's say I am like, I've got a pessimistic attitude. Then maybe I'll say the loser. And then suddenly I'm bringing my stuff into the table on my investments, my mental and my emotional, and that's never good. It's bad baggage. The analyst who's talking about the Model 3 today says the Model 3 has significantly lower material costs versus the Model S since it uses a less expensive electric motor and takes away features such as air suspension and an aluminum body. He also thinks the labor cost is lower, and he just, I'm not saying that he's right or wrong. I'm saying that's how difficult this game can be at times. And you have to almost protect yourself so that you can say to yourself that, you know, uh, I've got a discipline. I invest every two weeks. I max out my 401k or my 403b. Um, I get that. I'm going to get a pension or IE social security or a pension through my company. And, you know, I, I get where you're going with that. So stocks, oil and the dollar are all rising. And that's kind of rare. Typically, the dollar and oil don't move hand in hand because when the dollar gets weaker, you can buy more oil. But everyone's super happy right now, and that makes investing easy. And again, that's why I try to throttle back your expectations a bit and say things along the lines of, of, you know, try not to be emotional. If you cut down your mistakes, I'm not going to say you automatically win, but you certainly do better big old weekend of uh, mergers and acquisitions one of them was tied in the weed industry you're going to hear more and more stories about this probably even commercials about investing in marijuana all right, all cannabis right, all right. is poised to take 2018 by storm now is the time to put your money to work and invest in a trend cannabis is a huge business 25 billion dollars in the United States alone now again every business you have to evaluate how's the accounting how's the CEO what's the business model what model what what are they going to get into at some point in time what could be a problem what if someone takes one of their their gummy bears their weed gummies and loses his mind and you know gets a gun and they get sued so with the legal cannabis industry worth 6.7 billion dollars right now but it's going to climb to 25 billion in the US alone by 2020 in Canada and this is where you're gonna hear a lot about it. Now keep in mind sometimes listing on a Canadian stock exchange is a little bit easier than listing on a US stock exchange. Take off you hosers. So they don't regulate it quite as much. So to know that it's a wild, wild west. Cannabis is estimated to become an eight billion dollar market in Canada. In the US it's six point seven billion and overall it's gonna be twenty five billion in the US coming up. With that kind of growth numbers, there's going to be investments. Total broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned on this show. And the Canadian leaf is not a marijuana leaf, although it's close in the way it looks. I'm Rob Blackman